Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners, thanks for tuning into the podcast again. Tired of your business's healthcare costs unpredictably increasing every year? Healthcare costs are typically a business's second or third line item expense. And if you're like most employers, it's an expense that's growing faster than your revenue. Luckily for employers, Novetta Health has the solution. Novetta Health is a full-service healthcare consulting firm with proven strategies to lower your healthcare costs by up to 30% or more. They operate on a fee-for-service model and never mark up any of their medical or pharmaceutical claims. None of your employees have to leave their doctor or pharmacist either. Their health captive and pharmacy benefit manager are the most cost-effective and transparent solutions in the whole country. What they do is not magic, it's just honest. So if you're tired of overspending on health insurance and want to learn more, visit outcomesrocket.health save for a free spend analysis to see how you too could save by switching to Novetta Health. That's outcomesrocket.health save for your free spend analysis. Outcomesrocket.health save. Welcome back to the podcast. Saul Marquez here. Today, I have the privilege of hosting Dr. Mark Crockett. He's the Chief Executive Officer at Verge Health. Mark is an experienced CEO with a demonstrated history of working in the hospital and healthcare industry. He's a skilled healthcare consultant, disease management, executive development, Medicaid, and emergency medicine physician. He has strong business development professional skills with EDP program focused in business from the Wharton School, University of Pennsylvania. He's served in many different roles, including Chief Medical Officer and Senior Vice President at Best Doctors Incorporated, CEO of Rise Health, CEO and President of IBEX Health Data, President of Emergency Care Division of PISIS and Chief Medical Officer at Optum Insights Accountable Care Solutions. He's definitely a, a regarded published author in the Journal of American Medical Association and other journals. And among all of the things that he does, he's fully committed to his work at Verge Health today, which is what we're going to be diving into. So, Mark, it's a true privilege to have you on the podcast today. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. It's Absolutely. a pleasure to be here. Hey, it's a pleasure. And, and so uh, curious, what got you into the healthcare sector to begin with? Uh, it was almost a, fa a family obligation. My grandmother on my mother's side practiced until she was 86 years old as a family practice physician. Wow. Her husband was a surgeon who died while still practicing in his 70s. Amazing. Um, my mother and father are both clinical psychologists. My mother still sees patients. She won't admit to being 87 years old. <laughs> so, you know, it's one of those situations where I really can't retire until my parents do. That is too funny. <laughs> and I understand, my friend. So you're, you're here, you're, and, and, and so you started as, a, as an ER physician, but then made your way into entrepreneurship. I'd love to hear that story. And then fast forward it to what you believe a hot topic is today that health leaders should be focused on. Sure. Well, so just by history, a lot of my life has been about being very, very fortunate to be in the right place at the right time. When I was in high school, actually, a young woman who worked at Discover Card in Lincolnshire, Illinois, gave me my first shot as a young intern at learning something really interesting around IT. And I had a summer job working with computers. And uh, it was really very interesting. But again, the family obligation was to go into medicine. And I loved it. Right. Absolutely loved it. Loved medical school, loved residency. 
loved practicing emergency medicine. But when I got out of residency, it's a wonderful um, opportunity to manage an emergency department, but we really didn't have great tools. So it was the problem at hand was managing an emergency department better. And uh, some really you know, wonderful people, uh, Dr. Lance Kreplick at Christ Hospital, just a gallery of just fantastic physicians that I worked with over the years. We built one of the first electronic medical records for healthcare, which was called IBEX. It was one of the first EMRs that was web-based for hospitals. And um, we built that business uh, and put it together with a, a company called Pisces. By the way, you're one of the first people to pronounce that the right way. <laughs> uh, and so, um, but just absolutely wonderful experience growing that business over time. At one point, we had almost 20% of the emergency departments in the country using one or another of our tools. Then we put that business together with Optum, which is another wonderful group of people who is uh, a technology and services business attached to United Healthcare. So I was now working in population health at Optum. And I'll tell you, you know, there's a, a trend in healthcare of going towards value based contracting. One of the things that was always a problem I had with the practice of medicine back 15 years ago is that if you made an error, you still got to bill the patient for all the results of that. So, you know, if I licked the knife uh, and gave you a, a, an infection during the procedure, I literally could charge you for the extra days in the hospital and the antibiotics I gave you, which, you know, physicians don't act that way. They don't, I don't know any physician that would ever make an error in order to make care uh, worse and therefore enrich themselves. Not one person I ever met in healthcare would do that. But at the same time, you're not going to spend money to innovate safety and quality when you're directly not incented to do so. So, you know, as um, I got out and got into population health at Optum and these value-based care contracts were along, you know, I really felt like this was the best thing in healthcare was this change in the way we contract, change in the way things are valued. So it's been an entrepreneurial journey for sure in healthcare, but boy, I'll tell you what, in the last couple of years, working towards a new set of alignments and incentives has been one of my favorite. It's been one of my favorite times in healthcare to work. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting time. And I think moving toward better. Give us an example of how you and your team, Mark, have created things uh, and improved results by doing things differently. Sure. So, you know, obviously, we see our role as helping our clients get results, right? So, you know, I have to say it's our clients that drive um, the outcomes, but boy, are they driving outcomes. You know, so our organization, Birch Health, works for about 900 organizations across healthcare, mostly acute care hospitals or health systems. So organizations like Robert Wood Johnson, Barnabas, Cleveland Clinic, uh, Centara, Kaiser, Banner Health, just, you know, a wonderful group of people to work for. And our tools are largely go into three categories. There's accreditation and compliance. There is basically credentialing and provider services, and that includes things like peer review, et cetera. And then there's patient safety, which is adverse events um, and patient relations. All of those things have traditionally been viewed as silos in hospitals. And so as we brought all of those together onto one software as a service platform, and we started, you know, our clients started saying, hey, you know, as we start working with your tools, we see just these tremendous opportunities to use the different tools to reinforce each other. 
So I'll give you an example. I've got a you know, large healthcare system on the, in the East. They had been working in the area of patient experience. And of course, patient experience is defined by patient safety. If you take your five-year-old to the emergency department and the child you know, has an injury while they are in you just you never recover from that. So the number one patient experience item is patient safety. So already our patient safety and patient experience tools that are on the same platform were seen as being valuable by them. They hired a consultant who came and charged them a boatload of money to look at their patient experience processes across the enterprise. And what they did was they said, we think that you can be more efficient. We think you can have better patient experience and we can roll this program out to all of the multitude of hospitals that you have. So they did this work, they rolled it out, they educated everybody, they changed their policies to support this and they said, we're doing great. But what they didn't really see was and we can tell this because we see in our patient uh, experience software, we can see the event, they didn't really move the needle on the actual patient experience with this effort. So by using our accreditation and compliance and rounding tools, we literally can send somebody out with an iPhone to ask a set of questions of people and say, hey, are you using this? Are you experiencing problems using this? You've got this new process. How well is it being implemented? Are you finding challenges to implementation? Are, is everybody educated to that? This is a, a compliance technique that comes from outside of the industry, this concept of random safety or random compliance rounding. But by doing so, what we found is in the facilities that they own, they had had some good rollout of that new process. But as you look out across all of the affiliated facilities and the outpatient centers and, you know, they'd had some turnover in key staff and there was, you know, areas where they had more than average turnover in people and the educational tools were, had been used, but used by previous staff, et cetera. But what they found was there was a very low level of compliance with this program that they were very proud of that they paid a lot of money to go out and implement. And so as they went and looked at that, they realized Boy, you know, we never got the outcome from this engagement that we thought we were going to get because we weren't completely implementing it and making sure that we had a standard implementation across the enterprise. And the interesting thing is if you use the rounding tool to ask the question every couple of weeks, are you doing it? Do you have problems implementing it? What are the outcomes in your area of it? The more times you ask, the more compliant people get with it. And all of right. a sudden, now you start to see the outcomes in the other tools that show an increase in patient experience, better engagement with your clients, and frankly, fewer events because now you're, a, you're aware of what's going on. And that's a very simple patient experience related thing. At a Cleveland clinic, we have almost a thousand users of the rounding software that are gathering 28,000 data points a month across all kinds of areas from medication administration to you know, challenges with patient safety. And so if you have an outcome that you're expecting from a change in your process, Burge gets it done and Burge keeps it sustainably going. And then, of course, we have the other safety tools behind it to be able to prove that the outcomes are what you expected them to be. So it's been really interesting. You know? And so if you point to almost any area of hospital, inpatient or outpatient operations, we can show you outcomes that are improving by just drilling you know, people into this you know, concept of seamlessly removing the randomness in process and getting people to a point where they're doing the same thing 
or experiencing problems to develop. You know, there are areas where they've said, boy, you know, this process that we did, it doesn't work in this area. Getting visibility in that so you can change that and then get the outcome. So we reduce variability usually, but sometimes we come up with places where the variability is important and needs mm-hmm. to be designed into the process. Does that help a little bit? Oh, it helps a lot. And really, it's, it's, uh, you guys have, have developed a way to systematize compliance implementation, thoroughness, and then measurement and accountability in a way that's very powerful. And that accountability part is unbelievable. I can tell you. And, and it's funny how the accountability, what we found the accountability comes from is assignment of responsibility right at the time that you find the problem. So, you know, we have a rounding tool, you're walking through the unit, you say, holy smokes, you know, what I'm seeing here is not in compliance. This thing is broken. It's not, you know, this is, there's a, um, we had a hospital that had, uh, was looking at their malignant hyperthermia care. So this is a rare event that happens in surgery. When a patient goes under anesthesia and their core body temperature just goes up and up and up, and it's rapidly lethal, rapidly causes brain damage. And so you have to act immediately. So having the carts handy with all the stuff on them, and then having all of the staff understand what are three methods of cooling the patient, that kind of thing, they need to be able to do that right away. So you know, being able to have people go find a problem, here's a cart that's unlocked, here's a cart that doesn't have the medications on it, here in this area, there's two or three people that when we talk to them, they don't know three cooling methods. Assigning it at that second to somebody in that area that's responsible for correcting that mm-hmm. and then tracking how long until that problem is fixed. Yeah. So we have on the East Coast, we have one of the health systems that is ranked easily within the top 10 or 12 health systems in the country. And they went after this particular problem and they found that they are really good. 97% compliance is what they're reporting, which sounds great. But when you're gathering 8,000 data points a month, that means 250 to 300 medication-related issues are slipping by. That is a recipe for the problems that happen. This is how errors occur. And so the fact that they can look at their data literally from their iPad and say, here are the last three quarters, and I can tell you with absolute authority that all but the last couple of weeks of issues are resolved, done, and the people are accountable. And I can tell you exactly who is accountable for fixing that. That's something that's been lacking from healthcare for a long time, and it's beautiful to watch. Yeah, that's definitely uh, refreshing to hear, Mark. And um, you know, just thinking through the strategy of assigning it immediately. And uh, I think that's definitely important, uh, an important part of the success that you guys have had. Tell me about a time when, when things didn't work out so well, and maybe you guys had some setbacks, and how did you learn from those moments to make you even better? Oh, boy. <laughs> no, no question, right? I mean, I think um, it's important to build agility into your way of doing business. And in the areas of product design in particular, very, very important. So we had a very important client that we were working with who wanted to load in their um, medications from their formulary in order to be able to pick the right reason for the problem. So 
this patient had a medication, you know, I need to make sure that you know, works. Well, we loaded the patient's formulary and because we weren't as careful as we should be, we wound up with literally over 100,000 medications in one particular dropdown. So um, that's completely unusable. This client is really good at administration and management. So they rolled that out and people used it, which still boggles the mind. But the fact that, you know, when we realized what we'd done and what kind of productivity problems we were creating for the client, we, of course, changed our approach there, fixed it, and now it's a, now it's a beautiful thing. But we never should have made that uh, error in the first place. And so, you know, that was some time ago. We have built out a wonderful process for understanding the client's needs in just so much better of a way. So as we do our development, we have more than 30 user groups a year. Each one of the products has both a national level and local user group that has uh, that is online. We have a major user group through the year, and then we have groups of people that we use to work directly with our developers and we're always asking them why what are the alternatives have you thought through you know what's the real value of doing this effort is there any way to do it better or faster this other client has told us that they think this is a good idea what do you think and what it's led to is just tremendous usability our new tools on my iphone first of all i can build these audits and compliance things in a matter of minutes I can roll them out and assign them to people for auditing, and then they get an email, click on it, into, and it loads up in their iPhone or their, their Android phone or whatever they're using, mm-hmm. and is so usable that we barely have to educate people on it. That is just a dramatic, so that's, that's something we should have done. We made the mistake, we corrected the mistake, and now we're in a position where the company's in a stronger position. That's great, Mark, and, and definitely kudos to you and your team for continually pressure testing and trying to break the, the technology on your own with these user groups and finding ways to, to make it even better. It sounds like you guys have made it really, really seamless. It is. Our particular new tools are the client feedback has driven the success of them and the clients have been, this is an area of the hospital that has not necessarily had a lot of focus, which is interesting because outside of healthcare, Compliance is the way you get everything done. You know, I spoke with the Malcolm Baldridge people last year, mm-hmm. and you know, they were talking about, they asked the simple question, how much time should we spend on preventing medical errors versus how much time should we spend on dealing with them when they happen? And from the Baldridge perspective, and of course, Baldridge is across every industry. They do airplanes and American cheese, and they do gummy bears and potato chips. You know what I mean? They do every possible industry. And in every industry out there, the answer is you do as much preventative work as you possibly can justify. So at least 90% of your efforts should be on prevention. And in healthcare, because of the way we've been built, prevention had no value, and so it really wasn't a really core part of it. So, you know, our clients view prevention and safety as part of their core strategy to sell their quality to their investors, to the payers that are paying the bills, to the local community, to the large employers. So, you know, we work with a wonderful group of hospitals that are forward thinking, that are really taking these compliance techniques and pushing them out there and making them, uh, making them famous. It's, it's really neat. Love it. No, it's just this powerful work that you're doing, Mark. And, and tell me about one of the most proud moments you've had to date. Oh, man. So there's, there's a bunch of them. 
And just again to say, I got to share this with the great people I work with. There's a lot of credit to be passed around here. But our team was just awarded the number one in class ranking on credentialing. Now, credentialing in the old days was kind of a uh, checkbox to say the doctor is who they say they are. They have a license. They have a DEA number. And nobody has tried. And they don't have a criminal conviction. And right. so, therefore, they can work in your hospital. That has changed dramatically. So, uh, you know, some of our largest organizations use our provider tools in combination with our safety tools and our peer review tools to be able to, you know, run a very efficient peer review process to look at physician nursing and affiliated providers in terms of their quality and their effect on patient experience. And so, you know, we got that award because our clients are reporting, we do a great job for them. And they're also reporting that the vision of this, which is to, you know, have provider quality be just as important to the organization as the quality of the operations and the safety of the operations, that they see that as a continuum that our company manages with them and seeing some of the outcomes of that, that the clients are reporting got us that award. And I think that represents a really significant uh, thing for us right now. We are just, couldn't be more, it only came out last week and we're just wow. extremely excited about it. Well, congratulations on that. Thank you very much. And kudos to your team as well. Sounds like you guys are going above and beyond the call of duty, which is definitely what we need in today's uh, day. How about a little bit about an exciting project or focus you're working on today? Well, um, you know, we are focusing on credentialing and provider services, um, but, uh, you know, I think our rounding tools, our accreditation regulatory, you know, we're really changing the way people do high reliability healthcare. High reliability, you've probably heard that from some of your other guests. Um, the concept of high reliability is a well-documented one outside of healthcare, right? People know exactly how to do it. And it's basically making sure that you fail one every five to the eight or nine times. So we're talking about doing literally millions and millions of cases without a single failure. And so, you know, if you compare that with what you'd consider good efforts in healthcare of 97, 98, 99%, it's just very different. And so, you know, one of the the projects that we are doing is really at a number of our hospitals is using our compliance techniques coming from outside of healthcare and our compliance tools to you know, create these in, in incredibly safe facilities. Those are the kinds of projects that we're really excited about. And there are a bunch of them. There are a number of great hospitals that are working with us on that. I'm sure the listeners are like, okay, Saul, like seriously ask them how we could get in touch with them because oh, sure. we want to know. <laughs> so Mark, if, if, if the provider organization leaders listening today wanted to reach out to you and find out more, what's the sure. best way to do that? We are not shy and we're easy to reach. Our, uh, mostly through our website, www.vergehealth.com has a lot of information there. I am most often on an airplane somewhere, so I'm much more difficult to reach, but certainly not impossible. And if you just click the, you know, the email link, we're quite good at getting to people. So um, you know, I'd encourage you, reaching out to me through, you know, if you're connecting to me on LinkedIn, through the social media piece, or if you're going to... Uh, if you want to just hit our website, that's the easy, fast way to reach us. Love it. Great. Thank you for that, Mark. Getting close to the end here, let's pretend you and I are building a leadership course in healthcare. So I've got five questions for you. These are going to be lightning round 
questions. So I'll ask, and then you'll give me some quick responses, and then we'll we'll finish with a book you recommend to the listeners. You ready? Sure, absolutely. All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? Well, we've done a lot of work in the uh, EMR space and in clinical decision support. What we haven't done is work on the process. So for me, ISO 9001 is what everybody does outside of healthcare. Why aren't we doing those kind of compliance techniques in healthcare? I absolutely believe that the way Cleveland Clinic and others are focusing on compliance as a part of that high reliability technique is the best, the biggest bang for your buck right now in healthcare, without question. Love it. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Not listening. I, uh, great story on uh, hips. Got a hospital that's doing bundle payment around hips. And, you know, they've got one hospital that's doing lots and lots of discharges to skilled nursing facilities. Okay. And it turns out that when they said patients got to be able to walk across the room, they weren't listening to their people about what the rooms were like. So they were doing, one hospital was doing that patient has to walk across the room in their PT room, which was 80 feet. And most of the rest of them were doing them in the patient rooms, which is eight feet. I want to meet these people who a couple of days after hip surgery can walk 80 feet, right? Got to listen to your people. Got to be aware of the operations. Got to be out there in an organization gathering data. Not listening is a good way to really screw up healthcare. (laughs) Love it. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? Again, listening. So, you know, we have a very organized way of engaging with our customer base. And I think that, you know, lots of hospitals are doing surveys, uh, you know, around outcomes, surveys around how patients uh, are viewing their services. The best way to stay relevant is figure out what the biggest problem your clients have and fix it. And so, you know, hospitals are thick with people who have problems. Everybody's got a health problem or they would, believe me, not be there. So, you know, I think of hospitals as a wonderful opportunity to work with people when they are in the most need. What's one area of focus that drives everything in your company? The clients. So we work for the people that put their hands on people and try to cure them. And so, you know, we respect that. It's our job to make them more efficient, make things easy for them. We, need, we want to make their lives easier and better. So our mandate is clear. And that's one of the things I absolutely love about my job. If I was trying to make better potato chips, I don't know how to organize my life around that or get passionate about that. Are they more brown or more more (laughs) barbecue-y or whatever, right? I mean, I'm sure there's somebody that's passionate about that. We're passionate about the patient and the fact that we work for the people who put their hands on the patients. And hopefully they wash their hands, right? That's our job. <laughs> but the bottom line is, you know, that's it's easy to get organized and focus around that, uh, that, that patient. Love it, Mark. What's your number one health habit? Well, health habit, exercise is important and sleep is important. So both of those things I've learned, you try not to miss. So, Critical. you know, really focusing on getting exercise on a daily basis and, and getting less sleep on a daily basis. Love that. And what is your number one success habit? Ah, that's an interesting point. I still see patients occasionally. And, um, you know, I was rank, recently got my numbers back and I was one of the top in my group in terms of patients remembering that I washed my hands. And so uh, it was kind of funny how I delivered that. Um, you know, <laughs> I had those little foam dispensers on the way in the room. And so I would get a couple of squirts of that alcohol foam on my hands and I would go in the room and I would walk toward the patient. I would say, hi, I'm Dr. Crockett. It's nice to meet you. I put my hand out and they would 
grab a hold of my hand that's just full of this alcohol stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. It's slimy and it's gross and it's disgusting. And they would go, oh, and then they would start to rub it on their hands and I would rub it into my hands. And so we have both just washed our hands <laughs> together. And you know, the patient never forgets it. You're and at the time I say, you know, our commitment to safety here at Advocate Healthcare is to make sure that you get the best awesome. care and you don't get an infection. And, you know, this is part of that commitment and they loved it. So, um, I mean, just one little thing. That is awesome. I love that. Great story. And, uh, and what book would you recommend to the listeners, Mark? Oh boy, you know, I read a lot and I love all kinds of literature. One of the books I read recently that was really fun to go, kind of go back and read is uh, All Creatures Great and Small by James Harriet. It's a story uh -huh. of a small and large animal veterinarian huh. back in the day. And um, really fun how it sounds like backbreaking awful work in some situations. Um, and yet it's critical to the success of the community and um, just the wonderful stories of the, of the small community. If you've never read it, highly suggest it. Love it. Love the recommendation, Mark. Thank you for that. Listeners, you can get these uh, resources on the website. Just go to outcomesrocket.health. In the search bar, type in Mark Crockett. Dr. Mark Crockett, or type in Verge Health, and you'll see this episode pop up with all the links and full transcript for you. Mark, this has definitely been exciting and interesting, so appreciate the passion you bring to the table. We'd love if you could leave us with a closing thought, and then the best place where the listeners could get in touch with you. Again, vergehealth.com, and I guess my last thought is, Lots of people know how to do things well outside of industry. And in healthcare, you know, we tend to focus on the problems we have instead of the solutions other people can bring. Looking outside of healthcare has been a real eye-opening experience to me. And I encourage you to get out of the healthcare experience and look for excellence in other places and see how you can bring it into your own practice. Great words of wisdom, Mark. Definitely appreciate you jumping on and looking forward to staying in touch. A pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.